Good afternoon, everybody. This is Radio Maria live from Cambridge and Canning Town because we are joined for today's credo by Father Bernard Murphy, CFR. Good afternoon, Father Bernard. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for uh, coming on Radio Maria. And the Franciscan Friars are giving a three-part series on the Lenten practices of prayer, fasting and almsgiving. Last week, Father Gabriel Kite spoke about how to pray during Lent. And Father Bernard is here to talk about our favourite Lenten topic, fasting. Um, Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Father Bernard is at St Fidelis Friary in Canning Town in East London. And um, you've been there, what, about a year, Father Bernard? Actually, it's going on two years now. Two years. Doesn't time fly? Amazing. It does indeed. So we very much uh, look forward to learning more about how to deepen our fasting, not only in these last two weeks of Lent, but, you know, throughout our lives as Christians. So thank you so much, Father Bernard. You're very welcome. Well, I'd like to begin by simply reminding us of this great season and what it's all about. And I do so uh, because if you're like me, uh, we need reminders after four weeks of our of our Lenten rigors. Uh, we start out with great uh, enthusiasm, uh, a great desire to, to renew our relationship with the Lord. Uh, we have all sorts of things that we've promised the Lord we're going to do. But if you're like me, somewhere after the second or third day, maybe, hopefully the week, we find ourselves kind of slipping a bit. And one of the areas in particular is the area of fasting. I want to begin by just kind of focusing our attention more generally on the season of Lent and then look specifically at fasting because it really is relative to our understanding of the season that's going to motivate us uh, to live the, uh, if you will, the rigors uh, of our discipline. We know that Lent is typically for the church a season of penance, but I would suggest to us it's also a season of grace and if properly understood, can be really a season of joy for us. Uh, it recalls for us, certainly, the, the 40 days that our sacred Lord spent uh, in the desert himself being tempted. Uh, but it is also a time that reminds us of the 40 years that the Israelites spent uh, in desolate places, out in the desert, wandering. It was a time for the Jews of purification, a time of testing, a time of temptation, But it was also, and this is essential, it was a time of grace, a time to come to know the Lord, truly know him as the God and God alone for the Israelite people, a a time to experience his provision, a time to to know his protection, uh, a time to learn how to let him lead. Uh, this this celebration or this understanding of these 40 years for the Jews was so important uh, that they actually celebrate this uh, season, this this uh, this um, journey of faith every year with what is referred to as the Feast of Tabernacles. In fact, uh, for those who have attended Mass today, the the the, the gospel reading uh, is taken from uh, from John's description of Jesus going up to Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles. And Tabernacles was one of the three major feasts of the Jewish religion uh, where every adult male was... Uh, 
supposed to go up to Jerusalem for this time of worship before the Lord, to acknowledge him as Lord of all. Uh, we're most familiar with Passover, uh, the time that ex expresses the, uh, the freedom from Egypt. And then the second was Pentecost, uh, which for the Jews celebrates the gifting of the, uh, of the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. But Tabernacles was the celebration of the time in the desert, uh, the time when they traveled by tabernacles or tents, uh, and that God led them through the, through the, the desert um, by means of uh, the Ark of the Covenant over which uh, his, his uh, cloud led by day and the light by night. And it was here that uh, the Jews recognized that they became most dependent upon the Lord, uh, that they really are celebrating the fact that they came to recognize God was truly, completely, absolutely, positively uh, Lord of their lives. They could not do anything on their own. They were completely dependent upon him. And they realized, they celebrate the fact, year after year, the Feast of Tabernacles, of their complete and utter dependence upon the Lord and his provision for them. Uh, the 40 years was, was also a, a time of preparation. Uh, the Jews recognized that they were moving from Egypt into the freedom of uh, the bondage of Egypt, into the freedom of the promised land. Uh, but in order to do so, they needed to, to come to a new understanding, a new perspective, a, a new realization of of who they they are as a people, as 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 a as a nation peculiarly loved by the Lord. It was a journey experiencing uh, a, a transfer of identity from, from being a slave to, to knowing one's dignity as a son or a daughter. And so it was when the, the people of, of, of Israel came to encounter God, they initially came with fear and trembling uh, seeing him on, 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 on Mount Sinai, they, 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 they recognized in the, in, the, in, the, in the storm and the lightning and the clouds, the, the, the fire, uh, that they were, the, they, he was a consuming God, one to be feared. But as they continued their journey in the desert, as they experienced the provision uh, of the Lord, that, that, that fear that consumed them, was transferred into an experience of reverence, really for a loving father. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 31, uh, it says, As in the desert where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his child all along your journey. Beautiful, huh? That notion that, that God is our father, that God is the one who cares for us. It's really for this reason, then, that, that the church exhorts us to the, the traditional practices of, of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving during this season of grace. Not simply, surely it is, but not simply for penitential purposes, but rather to renew our relationship with God in prayer, to restore our true dignity is the children of God by the discipline of fasting and to reach out to our neighbor in Christ-like love uh, by almsgiving. In essence, coming as our true nature 
coming into that reality of who God intended us from, from, all, from all eternity to be as his children, God's children, in relationship to the Lord, to others, and to ourselves. Uh, the Church Fathers at the, uh, pick up on this in the, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. In section 1434, uh, in the section, uh, section number two, the celebration of Christian mysteries, uh, they say this. They say the interior penance of the Christian can be expressed in many and various ways. Scripture and the Fathers insist above all on three forms— fasting, prayer, and onsgiving, which expresses conversion in relationship to oneself, fasting, to God, prayer, and to others, almsgiving. In this, dear brothers and sisters, what we see is the church and her wisdom during the season of grace isn't just simply trying to run us through the rigors, trying to get us to, you know, to uh, kind of trim down for the Easter feasting, uh, but really it's, it's intending to renew us, to restore us, to, to bring us to a, a deeper understanding and a deeper pre who we are before the Lord that we are truly His, totally His, all His. Now, I want to focus for a moment on, uh, or move our attention to really the topic that I've been asked to speak about, and that is fasting. Uh, we recognize that fasting is, a, is, a, is an ascetical practice. Now, I, I want to point out to us that the very word ascetical uh, comes from the Greek word asesis, which means exercise, spiritual exercise. So fasting uh, is surely a penitential practice, but it's also a, a spiritual exercise. It's, it's something that's, if you will, getting us into spiritual shape. And it's something that's found, fasting is something that's found uh, in many, in fact, I would suggest in all, to some degree, religious traditions, not just Christians. Uh, the Jews, particularly, as we can see in the Old Testament, fasted in preparation for, for battle. Uh, they, they, they fasted in reparation for their transgressions against the law. But in a curious fashion, even the priests who would worship before the Lord were called upon to, to fast before they came to worship. That there was a certain way of kind of putting aside what were perceived perhaps to be um, kind of carnal desires. They abstained from sexual relations with their wives. They, 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 they went into a fasting mode. And all of this was that they would prepare themselves uh, to come into God's presence. Uh, our, our Muslim brothers and sisters are entering into the season of Ramadan, uh, which is similarly a, a time to humble their heart before God. Uh, the Buddhists, the Hindus uh, will fast to, to temper the passions. Uh, I, I remember even I had the occasion of, of being in, in Mexico City at the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, and uh, we're kind of going through the, one of these uh, Aztec temples, and we came into, a, into an area uh, that was a preparation ground for the, 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 the soldiers, the, the warriors of, of the Aztec Indians, 
who would prepare themselves for going into battle by long periods of fasting to, impl- to implore uh, their gods to, to look kindly upon them. And so we see that as, as Christians, we too will take on fasting for repentance for sins, humbling our heart before the Lord, seeking his favor, gaining minis- uh, mastery over our senses like many of the other religions. Uh, it is a, a penitential practice that disciplines the body and fosters docility for the soul. But for us, and this I would say is key, for Christians, Fasting is less about giving up and more about preparing ourselves to fill up. It's less about giving up and more about preparing ourselves to fill up. Things are purposefully put aside that we might make space for the inpouring of the Holy Spirit. I sometimes make uh, reference or try and give an analogy. If I was walking into a room with an armful of, of things and you wanted to give me something, well, I, 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 I couldn't receive it. I, I, my arms are too full. I have to put things down in order to be able to receive. Well, in certain ways, fasting for us is putting things down, penitential in an aspect, putting aside things that we like to cling to or give a certain amount of comfort but so that we're disposed to experience the more, the gift, the grace. We're going to take a break here and listen to a song, but uh, when we come back, I'm going to emphasize to us the, the realization that really for us as Christians, uh, that this gift of fasting is focusing on growing more and more and more in a relationship of love with the Lord. Thank you so much, Father Bernard. Uh, We couldn't resist playing a song from your fellow friar, Father Tanzi, and this also features Father Isaiah, and it's Day from Father Tanzi's new album, Light. way to the dark night I am the day star that was once light with every lie disguised by light I call to you with every high that binds you'll find my tracks to you come fall come Fall, oh, fall with me Come one, come all, come fall with me, my friends I am the day, the light that shines 
There we have it. That song, I think, portrays very well how the Lord is inviting us into a relationship with him and how the evil one seeks to seduce us, to, to draw our hearts away. Uh, fasting really prepares our hearts in many respects to keep our focus on the Lord and, and to, to follow his ways so that we might come to experience God ever more deeply as the one who leads us in the desert. I want to read to us now a passage from uh, Matthew uh, chapter 9. And this is where some of the disciples of St. John, they come to Jesus uh, and basically are asking him about fasting because apparently his disciples are not fasting. And it gives an insight, I think, for us as to how we as Christians are to approach the whole notion of fasting. I, I'm sure this is familiar to you. It's, it's from Matthew 9, uh, beginning in the verse 14, where the disciples of John approached Jesus and said, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answered them, and this is key, listen up, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. And then he goes on. No one patches an old cloak with a piece of untrunken cloth, for its fullness pulls away from the cloak and the tear gets worse. But people do not put new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the skins will burst. Wine spills out and the skins are ruined. Rather, they pour new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. Now, I have to be very honest with you. When I first read this passage some years ago, I thought, oh, some editor of the scriptures didn't get it quite right and kind of, you know, mushed together a couple of sayings of Jesus and, oh, isn't that unfortunate? But actually, these passages ring very true in being bound together. What is Jesus saying? He is the bridegroom. He is the one to whom we are to be bound. And when we are truly bound with him, it's not feast, fasting, it's feasting. But in order for us to come to that relationship, we need to come to a new uh, experience of the new wine being poured into us. Now, in order for that wine to be properly poured into us, we need to become new wineskins. Otherwise, we burst. Otherwise, we can't hold it. We need to be renewed. And that's really what this season of Lent is all about. It's recognizing that uh, we want to be restored, renewed as fresh wineskins to, 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 to receive ever more fully what it is that God has for us. And therefore, fasting for us, yes, uh, there is a penitential aspect, making up for the wrong that we have done, but even more so an ascetical practice, as we said, that ascesis, that ex exercise, spiritual exercise of opening up for the right. Penance, yes, in making up for the wrong, but ascetical, opening up for the right. Now, in acknowledging this penitential aspect, we as Christians, like everyone else, will refrain from certain foods and drinks as an expression of this interior penance, uh, giving up all those things that we uh, like so much, uh, chocolates, sweets, alcohol, biscuits, whatever, I gave up Brussels sprouts. No, no, I shouldn't say that. I like Brussels sprouts, but we so often we can we can, we can say, "Oh, sure, I gave up liver for for, for lunch." Well, I never had liver the rest of the year. Uh, we recognize that it's giving something up. I actually, uh, uh, one of our friars, uh, 
his mother, who had five children, she chose to give up something that she really enjoyed, nothing of any significance, uh, but she gave up something for each one of the children uh, that was born, which she gave up. She fasted for the rest of her life. Uh, I think the brother who was part of our society was was Brother Peanut Butter. She gave up peanut butter for him. But I thought that was a beautiful expression of how she, out of love for her children, was offering a, a sacrifice to the Lord so that they might experience God's grace more and more and more at work in their lives. Uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church tells us that fasting is refraining from food and drink as an expression of an interior penance in imitation of the fast of Jesus during those 40 days, an ascetical practice recommended by the scriptures and the writings of the Church Fathers. Uh, we can see that really fasting from the biblical perspective uh, offers us several different perspectives. The Old Testament speaks a great deal about fasting and repentance. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 6, Samuel calls the Israelites to repent for following false gods. Uh, in Joel chapter 1, verse 14, they're called for a fast of repentance in the face of the day of judgment. Uh, and perhaps the one that's familiar to many of us, Jonah uh, marching through the streets of Nineveh uh, in Jonah chapter 3, verse 5, calling for, you know, calling that in three days' time there will be, you know, destruction. And the king, a pagan king, uh, hated by the Jews, frankly, uh, called a fast to avert destruction. And in fact, God's wrath uh, was turned away. But it's also, fasting's also, we can see in the scriptures, a, a, a form of, of petitioning, of, of rendering our hearts humble before the Lord, uh, that, that our, our, our desire, our, our needs may be made known to him. Uh, in Ezra chapter 8, verse 21, when uh, Ezra was leading a group of Jews back from captivity in Babylon to the Promised Land, uh, they fasted uh, and humbled themselves before the Lord that they might have a safe journey to Jerusalem without any military protection because it was quite a dangerous uh, undertaking. And in fact, they made it quite successfully. Or in Esther chapter 4, verse 16, where uh, she fasts for the Lord's protection when she is to approach uh, her husband, the king, on behalf of her people uh, who were to be put to death uh, and to petition for their, uh, for their safety. But we also recognize, and I think this is really something important for us, at, particularly as Christians, to acknowledge that in the Acts of the Apostles, Fasting is associated with prayer to the Holy Spirit for an anointing, for knowing God's will, for experiencing his blessing. And it was with prayer and fasting amongst the early disciples uh, that, that we see uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, uh, are set aside to be the, uh, the missionaries to, to eventually, as we know, to the Gentiles going forth into uh, Asia Minor, present-day Turkey and Greece. Uh, in Acts chapter 14, verse 23, uh, where Paul and, and Barnabas are now heading back to Antioch, uh, but leaving, wanting to leave the, the care of their newfound disciples uh, in the care of others, uh, they pray and certain men are chosen as presbyters or priests to oversee anointed in Lystra and in Iconium. 
uh, after a period of fasting. Uh, we also see that that it's 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 a it's a, a means of empowering us spiritually. Uh, remember, recall the, the the incident of of Jesus and Peter, James, and John coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, and uh, they encounter the rest of the disciples who are trying to expel a demon from uh, a poor lad who's who was possessed uh, and had kind of seizures rolling around. And his father, seeing Jesus approach, runs over and begs him, please, your disciples tried, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus brings this child over and expels the demon. And later on, uh, they ask, why couldn't we have done that? And in Matthew 17, 21, Jesus says, this demon needed to be expelled by prayer and fasting. Uh, we recognize that there's a spiritual strengthening, a powering, an anointing that comes upon us. And so all of this, dear brothers and sisters, really is to, to highlight the reality that fasting for us is a gift that brings us ever more deeply into a relationship of love with the Lord. It prepares our hearts. Uh, it puts away the obstacles. It, it, it if you will, it, it, it uh, sets aside those things that uh, that keep us from really knowing our identity uh, as sons and daughters of the Lord. Uh, it's for this reason that the Catechism uh, calls us to these seasons uh, of of penance. Lent most particularly, but also days of penance. You know, uh, I think, unfortunately, we've lost a perspective of how every Friday uh, the church, uh, in fact, canon law as, as states to us that every Friday should be a day of, of, of abstinence, a, a day of penance, a day of remembrance that uh, our Lord uh, gave his life for us, not just Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, but but every Friday of, of the year, unless, of course, it, a, a solemnity falls on that, which on occasion it does. Uh, and it's really this, this, you know, a lot of people have given up no longer eating meat on, you know, the, the, the practice of abstaining from meat on, on Friday. But that, but that, has never really been abrogated by, by church law. What has been stated is that Bishop's Conference may substitute this for uh, this abstinence by works of charity or exercises of piety. Uh, but not eating meat on Friday was not abolished. It might be uh, trans, you know, transferred to something else. Uh, but we want to see that it was, and should be for all of us, a way of reminding us of how much God has done on our behalf. Even the, uh, we still have the, the abstaining from food and drink at least an hour before receiving Holy Communion, uh, with the exception, of course, of water and, medi and medicines. Uh, some of us perhaps remember the days when it was three hours, and some of the golden oldies out there might remember when it was midnight uh, prior to receiving. And all of this was not just simply a penitential aspect. Surely there was penance to it. I can't deny that. But there was an aspect of preparation, an aspect of setting my heart, getting it ready, an, abs uh, an aspect of really coming to know ever more deeply uh, who the Lord is for you and for me. 
Now I'd like to take one more break, have another song, but when we come back, I'm going to focus for us on an aspect of the 40 days of, of fasting of Jesus in the, de in the desert uh, that I believe really is for us, uh, or should be for us, clearly the perspective of why it is that we fast. That ultimately our fasting, like our Lord, is to bring us into a deeper understanding and appreciation of who God is for us. And we'll say more about that when we return. Thank you so much, Father Bernard. I'm going to listen to Better Than Wine from Maximilian Ford.
This is Credo and Father Bernard Murphy is talking to us about fasting. Back over to you, Father Bernard. Thank you. As I mentioned before that last song, I want to talk to us for a moment, or I want to point something out to us that uh, came to me actually about, oh, I'm saying, thinking now maybe a year ago as one of those, you know, aha moments, one of those uh, realizations, one of those moments of grace where you knew the Holy Spirit was kind of revealing something to you and wanted you to, to live it. And it's been something that has really been moving in my heart, and I'd like to share that with you. It comes from, in fact, the temptations of the Lord, but I want to context it. You know, so often when we go to Mass, we hear readings from the Scriptures, but, you know, we hear that reading. And oftentimes we lose the context. Well, immediately before the temptations of our Lord, which are really the basis of our understanding of 40 days of fast of Lent, immediately before the, 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 tempt, uh, the temptations of our Lord, in all three of the synoptic Gospels, we have the baptism of Jesus. And it, this is now in, in Matthew chapter 3, although you could look to Mark or Luke as well. But in, in Matthew chapter 3, Picking up in verse 16, it says, After Jesus was baptized, he came up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened for him, and saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming upon him. And a voice came from the heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Okay. Immediately into chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert. There's no break. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. Now, I have to be very honest with you. When I first read this, I thought, you know, it sounds like the Holy Spirit, the evil spirit, or kind of got it in for Jesus or something. I don't know. It's, it's, it, it seems like, you know, they're, they're, they're working together to kind of challenge him. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit drove him into the desert to be tempted by the devil. What is this all about? But now, Remember, Jesus has just come from the baptism where he is, where he, where the, the, the heavens open up. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. In essence, he's being established or, or manifested as the son of, of, of God. God is his father, his Abba. Now, it's important for us to know that in biblical language, in the, in, from the scriptures, if you look at, at the Bible, uh, you do a, a word study, for example, of fatherhood, you're going to see that there are three characteristics of a father. A father is a provider, he's a protector, and he's a governor. Provider, protector, governor. Okay. Now, Jesus has just heard that he's the beloved son, driven into the desert, and take note what are the temptations? The first, if you are the Son of God, the tempter says, turn these rocks into bread. In essence, provide for yourself. Let's see if you can really, you know, is God really going to provide for you? The second temptation, if you are the Son of God, uh, throw yourself down off of this parapet, and, and let's see if the angels will come and protect you. Is God really your protector? Is he really going to take care of you? 
The, fourth, the third temptation, bow down in front of me and you can have all the kingdoms at your disposal. You will be able to reign supreme. You can govern as you please. Provide, protect, govern. In essence, what I would suggest to us, dear brothers and sisters, what's the temptation of Jesus in the temple, or excuse me, in the desert? It is, does he truly believe that God is my Father? Does he truly live in the midst of the, the challenges, the difficulties, the absence, that God is truly there for me, that he's going to provide for me, that he's going to protect me, that he's going to care for me, that he wants to govern my life? And I would suggest to us that, that if you t pay attention even to the, 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 the Lord's Prayer, that Jesus uh, teaches us the, 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 the perfect prayer, what does Jesus say in this? Give us this day our daily bread. Provide for us, Lord. Father, uh, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Protect us, Father. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done, govern us, Father. These characteristics of fatherhood are exactly the, the key of what it is that Jesus is manifesting to us in the context of this, uh, these temptations. It is for us, do I truly believe that God is my Father? Now, I have to tell you that as I pray through this, the, tempta or the, the, the realization that I've come to is that Almost all of my temptations, when I think about the things that I can struggle with in life, I realize that so many of them are on the basis of, do I really believe that God is my Father, my Abba? Do I believe that I am truly beloved of God? That as Paul says in Philippians, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and following, that before the foundation of the world, I was destined to be holy and blameless in love. He called us, uh, adopted us to be his, his children. That it is God taking the initiative, drawing us into himself, wanting us to be truly his children. This is why I would suggest in, in the scriptures that uh, probably the two things that Jesus calls his disciples to, disciples to over and over again is take up your cross and follow me, and unless you become like a little child. That really, this is what I believe fasting is all about. Fasting is coming to experience God as Father. Fasting is putting aside certain things so that we are not distracted, not trying to, 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 to make things happen on our own, trying to have control of our lives. This is why the Jews in, 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 in the Feast of Tabernacles celebrates the time in the desert, not because it was so difficult and, 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 and miserable, well, surely it was, but because they recognized this is where we came to experience God as our Abba, our Father, the one who cared for our needs, the one who protected us, the one who, who provided us the, the manna and the quail and the water from the rock. Uh, God is the one who, 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 who watched over us. This is the why I believe that the church offers to us this incredible gift of the season of Lent. Dear brothers and sisters, fasting is not a matter of how much can I give up. Now, sure, we give up lots of things. But fasting is how much can I open up? How much can I put aside that I might be ready to receive, that I long for the gift of this Holy Spirit, that I want to be a new wineskin to receive this new wine, that I want to experience the power of God in my life, that I want God to be 
my Abba, my Father. Jesus experienced this temptation in many respects to reverse the curse because what do we see in the book of Genesis when they came to that faltering? They failed in believing truly that God would take care of them. The tempter comes and says, well, you know, he did he really say that? And how often do we hear that? How often do we experience that? Fasting, dear brothers and sisters, surely it's a penance, but it's a grace. It's a gift. It's something that transforms us more and more into being children of God that we might experience in the depths of our being God as our Abba. We have just a few weeks left of this great season of Lent. Let's use it to the full so that when the season of Easter is upon us, we can feast with the bridegroom knowing that ultimately what we've been doing during these, these days of, of, of penance, of fasting, prayer, and almsgiving, preparing our hearts to experience ever more deeply the love that God has for you and for me. God bless you, dear brothers and sisters, and may the Lord continue to fill your Lent with great peace. Thank you so much, Father Bernard. Let's have a listen to Good, Good Father from Chris Tomlin. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender A caller on the line. Hello, you're through to Father Bernard. Hi, Father Bernard. This is Helena from Cambridge. Hello, Helena from Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> I know this isn't meant to be like nitpicky or anything, but just my son asked me this question and I didn't have an answer. Why give up meat out of all the things? It seems he must have specifically chose meat for a reason. Why do we still give up meat for, for Friday? Well, the real reason is, is primarily because it was con considered to be a specialty, a luxury. Uh, I, I suspect that these days uh, meat is a little bit more immediately available to us and probably uh, uh, cheaper in, in, in purchasing than some, you know, some exotic fish or what have you. But it really was because it was it was symbolic of 
of, of a more luxurious meal. And it was recognizing that we're putting aside something that uh, we might like, we might, you know, sustains us and whatever. Um, and it's really as, as, as simple of all as, as all of that. It's something that uh, in some respects, uh, many of us, and I say many because obviously we have brothers and sisters who perhaps already give it up as vegetarians or vegans and uh, for, for many different reasons. Uh, but it is, it was, it was, if you will, symbolic of something that was precious and special and, and, you know, it's, 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 uh, why do we, why do we at Christmas time and Easter pull out the roast or the turkey or the, uh, because we recognize that these are ways of, of celebrating with something that is special. Uh, now, I suppose one could argue that, well, if someone was living a simple life and didn't have meat on a regular basis, giving it up doesn't mean too much. And that, that would be true. And I think the, the, the purpose here is to recognize it's not so much what I give up, but why I give up and how I give up and what that all means to me. And I say that because I had a, I had a friend once who, who had a conver radical conversion experience, at least to some degree, and, uh, you know, realized that, okay, fasting during Lent, this was a good thing. So he gave up meat on, 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 on Fridays, but told his wife that he wanted to have shrimp scampi and lobster tails at alternating weeks. <laughs> that really is in, in, in keeping with uh, the nature of what this is all about. The, the, the point being is that it's something that it means something to us. It's something that we delight in, something that we that we like, something that uh, we would prefer. Uh, it's, it's as simple as that. Growing up, it, it, it became very much a fish Friday. We would have fish at school. We'd, and it made, like, imprinted on my family's mind, fish Friday. Why fish? Because we remember Jesus' sacrifice. It like automatically opened this discussion up for us every Friday. So I think it's still a nice thing, I don't know, <laughs> to, for, to do as a family. And it was special for me. It certainly is something that identified Catholics. I mean, I remember as a, as a young child, you know, uh, you knew who was Catholic and who wasn't by the fact, you know, who was going to McDonald's and who was, well, they, we didn't have McDonald's when I was a kid, but, you know, who was, who was walking around with a hot dog in their mouth on a Friday afternoon? Uh, you knew immediately, okay, that's one of the Protestant boys from down the street, you know, so, yeah. It's, it was a way of kind of of, of, of giving expression uh, as as a as the faith community to a a a a, a common orientation of penance and, and living for the Lord. Thanks, Father Bernard. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for your call. Um, thank you so much, Father Bernard. I'm afraid we've run out of time, but perhaps you could finish just with with a prayer for everyone who's listening now and for those who'll who'll listen later. Very good. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> gracious, loving, merciful God, hear our prayers as we humble our hearts before you. Ever mindful of the ways that you have blessed us and called us in this journey of faith during the season of Lent into a deeper and a greater appreciation of who you are, who you are for us. Lord, I pray that you might banish from our midst all the distractions of the evil one, 
so that our hearts may more and more and more be given over to you and to your ways. May our Blessed Mother envelop us with her mantle of protection. May the angels watch guard over our heart and mind so that all of our thoughts and all of our desires are in conformity to God's holy will. May the saints intercede on our behalf. And may God bless us now and always in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you all. Amen. Thank you so much. And we very much look forward to welcoming you back on Radio Maria as soon as possible. Thank you, Father Bernard. Thank you. Thank you.